the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This podcast is brought to you by Herenia Capital Advisors, a registered financial services provider, FSP number 47080. Herenia Capital Advisors is setting the new standard for stockbroking services. Herenia is by traders, for traders. Visit herenia.co.za to find out more. Welcome to episode 95 of Magic Markets. After a week that has been a little bit wild in this market, Mo, as always, it's uh, wonderful to have you here doing this with me on our little project here. And this week, you know, video uh, may have killed the radio star, but the bear market hasn't killed this one. Petri, you are now officially a radio star. You're also a trader. You're also an investor. You're all of these things. But before we before we ask you how you are, uh, Mo, welcome. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure doing this with you. And uh, indeed, you know, markets are super, super duper red. So uh, I'm looking forward to unpacking that with our newly christened uh, radio star, Pietri. Uh, for listeners who are still unfamiliar with Pietri, Pietri is the head honcho over at Herenia. And it's why we like to always pick Pietri's brain is because it's slightly different flavor to some of the other stuff that we do on the show, which might be slightly more longer term in thinking, uh, not to say Pietri is not long-term in thinking, but Pietri is really involved in the trading side of things as well. And for the topic we want to cover today, I think Pietri is actually the, the perfect guest to have on because with markets as red as they are now, listeners are probably wondering, well, how, if at all, is it possible to make money in a bear market? So Pietri, uh, no, uh, no small feat to discuss today with us here. Welcome to Magic Markets. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll just answer the question and we'll save everyone's time. Buy low. And sell high. Or in a falling market, it's more like sell high, buy back lower. You know, I think that that's also something that you could be doing. So, uh, yeah, welcome. And uh, Ghost, I, I don't know if that response from Pietri is just too tongue-in-cheek, but we definitely have to unpack that one a lot. Yeah, I think there's probably a little more detail sitting behind there, although Pietri is so busy as a radio star these days. I don't know if he even gets to look at the markets anymore. You can catch him on Hot FM if you miss his voice. You know, he does it every four weeks with us, but he's doing it every every day, almost every day on Hot FM. So, yeah, Pietri, are you still getting time to actually look at the markets? That's the important thing. Or are you just closing your eyes and hoping they didn't happen this, this, past, uh, <laughs> this past day or so? One, okay, I've been doing this radio show now, but... Um... You know, and it does, it is time consuming, but I do have help, so it's not the end of the world. Um, also, sure, I've been having a tough time trading, not gonna lie to you. It's been a hard market, and uh, the more risky, high frequency trading stuff, I've not been doing super well. <laughs> Over the last few months, right? I think, I mean, I take solace in the in the fact that I'm not the only one suffering, but uh, it definitely has not been a fun or easy time for sure. Yeah, in fact, let's let's maybe contextualize it. I mean, for those that maybe aren't looking at markets in as much granular detail as, as some of us do, you know, I, I was looking at year-to-date numbers on, let's call it the S&P 500. 
And I mean, you've got the likes of a Microsoft down almost 30% at the time of this recording. You've got Google down more than that. Amazon down more than 30%. Tesla, which I know Ghost hates, down only, I say only, 22%. So there's really been, I would say, I know I've just used the tech names there, but even if you look at a big name like a value investor would, Berkshire Hathaway, down 10.5%. So not many places to hide. And with the exceptions only off, and let's cover this because recently the trends have changed a little bit on energy. So I want to unpack energy because I know Pietri was very bullish on oil a while ago. I want to unpack that view, so I'm putting that on the agenda. But energy's been okay simply because on a year-to-date basis, that's still up. It's up in the region of the double digits, 20 to 40%, depending on which stock you're looking at there. Healthcare's done okay, and then utilities have also kind of held their own in a market that generally has just gone backwards. Yeah, look, and I think if I could just add something here, FedEx is down 55% for the year. Now, this is something that there generally doesn't happen unless, you know, the U.S., or the S&P 500 or the US economy is in a recession. So I think that's also a, a clear indication of what um, you know, market conditions are like. It's really hard out there. And uh, a lot of the stalwarts and favorites have really come under tremendous amounts of pressure. And yeah, we're just trying to survive, I suppose. Phoenix is an interesting one because, again, not, not to just punt Magic Markets Premium, but it's, it's a stock that we covered in January of this year. And we were pretty bearish. I mean, we had, we had a look at the fundamental story as we do in Magic Markets Premium. We had the bull case, bear case. We also looked at the technicals. And on the technicals, FedEx had built this very nice bear flag that it looked as though it was going to break out off to the downside. And then it did. So it's actually played out quite nicely in terms of stuff that we had discussed in January. We actually recapped that and reiterated our view in August. This was before the most recent push lower on FedEx. So so that's something that on a technical basis, I, I think, you know, I, I, I want to highlight that. I'm proud of that in Magic Markets Premium. The more worrying thing for me is if you look at FedEx most recent results, they used the dreaded recession word. And, you know, that's come hot on the heels of Costco, for example, another stock that we had covered that actually put out numbers that disappointed the markets. And we saw some pressure come through there. So we're looking at quality companies that are all starting to shine a light on some of the underlying pressure that's coming through in the broader U.S. economy. And guys, let's not mince our words. There's a lot going on in the world right now. I mean, we've got Liz Truss as the new prime minister in the U.K. She announces tax cuts to help support their economy. And hey, presto, you've got the pound sterling at record lows against the U.S. dollar. These are monumental shifts in just the way markets have operated over living history, let's call it that. I mean, I've been through several market cycles, but some of the moves that you're seeing now, specifically, let's, for example, look at the sterling, are actually unprecedented. And, and listeners might not be aware, but at one point in time, the pound was close on $3 to the pound, and now it's close on parity, just if you go back far enough in terms of your chart. So just to contextualize the size and scale of some of the shifts and impacts that we're seeing come through in markets. And if I could just throw a little two cents in there, the euro always used to be, you know, more expensive in rand terms than the dollar, always. It's not anymore, right? So that parity of the euro dollar has gone, you know, beyond parity where the dollar is now quite significantly, well, not significantly stronger than the euro, but I mean, you're getting like, what, 95 US cents to one euro at this stage. Yeah, the world is changing, and I think there's a there's a big you know push into dollars as people are you know fleeing for safety, I guess. And Europe in general is looking pretty dicey. I think mode was a relatively recent show where we touched on one or two 
South African companies with European exposure. Something like Bidcorp is looking particularly exposed. Yeah, I see Capco was down pretty hard today. So that's sort of London property. I mean, the property market in the UK has got to be looking pretty pretty dicey at this point in time. You know, as yields keep going, as things get worse in the UK, I mean, we all know the UK property market has always been expensive and it was an expensive in an environment where money was free. And money is definitely not free anymore and it's not going to be free in the UK, I don't think, for a long time again. <laughs> UK property, it just feels dicey to me. I think there's going to be some good short positions, which is one of the ways to make money in a bear market mode, is to take these short positions. So if you are willing to take on a bit of leverage, then you can make money when things get ugly. I mean, it goes to your point on Europe. You're actually seeing those those gilt yields in the UK. Those, those have risen quite a bit. That's filtering through to Europe. We've got this Russia-Ukraine war, which just won't go away. And that's that's causing all kinds of pressure points in inflation and in markets in general. In fact, before I go through to Pietri, one of the things that I found very interesting is I was just looking at ETFs that have performed well on a year-to-date basis. And obviously, you know, if, if you were able to go long something like a VIXI that gives you exposure to the VIX, you know, that's done okay. Or a lot of the inverse ETFs, those have done okay. Maybe a last point on Europe. We're also seeing a political change. You know, just, just now, just before the show, I was reading a headline about the right-wing leader that's come through in Italy. And not so long ago, we were speaking about the right-wing leader that's come through in Hungary. So there's a change on the ground. What does this all mean, Pietri? How do we make money in the Herenia view of navigating these kinds of bearish markets? Let's call it bearish markets. We know they've been down. The obvious one, as Ghost has kind of led into, is that you could go short. Uh, but the fact of the matter is a lot of investors have a predisposition to generally being long. So traders tend to be long and short depending on, on market. The, the overwhelming majority of investors and people tend to have a long bias. How do you see this? How do you think investors and inve uh, investors, traders can be contextualizing this kind of market? Well, okay, so these things are obviously subject to change because things change relatively quickly. But my current positioning on the more speculative type stuff, you know, the derivatives trading book, uh, is net short. Uh, so there are some, you know, longer term or medium term holds in there, like TGA has done really well. We also we've got a massive dividend, although that is potentially on the chopping block, uh, you know, as soon as Wednesday. I'm not sure when this will air, so I'll say Wednesday. Yeah, but by the time this airs, guys, it it's already will have been chopped. So, you know, if you're trying to jump ahead of Pietri on that one, you're probably not going to get it right. <laughs> uh, and then uh, is the day that I'll, that I'll potentially cut it. And then uh, I'm, I'm net short Nasbers as well. Uh, some banks. Um, what else? Investec is a new position. Uh, that broke out beautifully today. I'm going to interrupt you on the banks, right? General conventional wisdom is that banks are okay to hold in a rising rate cycle. So are we already at an inflection point where we start getting concerned around non-performing loans? Uh, is that really it? Is it just opportunistic? You, you see the opportunity to take profit on a bank's position. What's the thinking, shorter term or longer term on that basis? So it's a very short term trade. I'll put it that way. Uh, I put in the weekly game plan actually on, on Sunday. It's just a beautiful rounding top on the chart. Uh, and we're heading into a space where, I mean, if you look at the way the S&P traded today, it is Monday. Most of the day, futures spent, what, 68, 70 basis points in the red. When the market opened, it pushed up about a third of a percent. Uh, and now, well, quarter past eight in the evening, we're back down to red, just over one percent. So that is volatile, right? The thinking here is that, yes, from a long-term defensive portfolio perspective, sure, hold the banks through the recession. 
obviously they're going to lose value. There's no way out of that. But their earnings should remain relatively stable, provided that we don't have like a debt crisis and, and massive amounts of defaults, which I don't think will be the case. However, when people panic, they sell everything. In these circumstances, you would imagine that gold is the way to go to, right? If the market's crashing, buy gold. If we go back and look at what happened early 2020, when you know the proverbial pawpaw hit the fan, gold sold off like $200 in a couple of days. And you know it bounced after that. But during that panic phase, people sell anything that's liquid. And I think that is where, at least I feel that that's what's building. You know, we've had stuff that I, that I keep an eye on. We've had um, treasuries or bond volatility consistently for months now, considerably higher than equities volatility. And, you know, we've been sort of messaging within our community, like, listen, guys, elevated risk. At some point, the VIX is going to catch the move. It will happen. Either move comes down, uh, and catches up with VIX and we get the equity rally of our lifetimes or the opposite happens. The VIX spikes up and, you know, by virtue of that, we see equities coming down. So we've been kind of waving this bear flag for a long time. And for a long time, we've been mostly wrong. Well, the market's been grinding lower. It just hasn't been that shock that we've been looking for. And it feels like that is building a little bit now. So there are some contrarian things to this as well. You also have record high put volumes that traded at the moment. So, you know, everyone's bearish. But at the same time, you know, you've got all these fundamental things that are happening that you can, you know, almost look at. Uh, I was watching a, an interview that John Picard did. You know, he, he made a very good point. It's like, we know that creating money creates inflation. And we're blaming it on everything else. And yes, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has uh, an impact. And yes, you know, the, the, the logistics challenges caused by COVID has an impact. But the primary driver here is the fact that we've printed trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And since 2008, they were saying it when they announced quantitative easing. Aren't we just kicking the can, the can down the road? Well, yes, we have been. And now suddenly the can's full of cement and we try to kick it and we broke some toes. And I think it's going to get a bit hairy from here. And yeah, I mean, taking short positions is definitely one way. Another way to do it, and this is if you are a long-only investor with a long-term mindset, is hold cash, right? Cash is a position. If you're hanging on to dollars now, I mean, your dollars are worth a whole lot more than they were a couple of weeks ago, at least in rand terms. And I think the, the very long-term sort of passive investor that makes uh, monthly contributions to their you know, investment, whether it's an ETF or a retirement annuity, whatever it is, like tighten your belt and double your contributions. Now is the time you're going to make money. When this, if this market keeps going down for the next six to 12 months and you just keep plowing in, double your contributions to your index tracking funds, you're going to make a lot of money in five years from now. So there's, there's different ways of playing it. I mean, the short term guys, obviously, and I mean, I'll be honest with you, like amongst our clients, what we've seen is a, is a huge reduction in volumes traded. I don't want to give you the exact numbers, but I would say that the volume traded is probably... 35 to 40% of what it was uh, at the end of last year. And it's not that, and we've got more clients now, right? So it's not that people are blowing up accounts. I'm very happy to say that we haven't had any, you know, major blowouts or anything like that. Look, some people have taken some body blows, right? Let, let's, let's be honest. But there's been no, you know, margin calls and guys going bust in that sense. And this is just the virtue of, well, it's tough out there, guys. Trade less. And I think another thing to point out, it's very easy to say, well, just go short the market. When you go long, your risk is 100% of what you paid for it. 
or at least of what the value is. Now, if you gear that, that could be 100% of the exposure, which is what, 10 times more money than what you've put down on margin, right? Which is, you know, a little scary to think about, but it's limited. It is defined, it's finite. If you go short and the market rallies up 5%, 10%, 20%, your, your theoretical risk is infinite because you could short it at 10 bucks and it can go to a thousand rand a share. I mean, obviously very unlikely in a very short time frame, but that is the theoretical risk. So going short is a lot riskier than it is uh, just saying, you know what, it's bad conditions. Maybe this is a good time for me to read those 20 trading books I've always wanted to read instead of putting on trades, right? Yeah, Pietri, I'm so glad you actually brought that one in because that for me, when I, when I started out my journey of, of trading, the psychological hurdle to going short was the hardest thing to actually overcome for that specific reason is that your your loss is unquantifiable it's technically limitless you know you could they close you out you'd have to top up your margin whatever it may be but it's very hard to quantify your loss on on a short because technically it doesn't exist the stock could go to wherever you wherever it wanted to go Uh, and i think that's not just the reason why investors are traditionally have a long bias i mean at the end of the day if we look at just the architecture of the whole financial system, retirement savings and so forth, there is a long bias to asset allocation in all senses, whether that's long equities or long bonds. Uh, And so maybe it's about, to your point, you know, what's your asset allocation? Storing the cash now, you know, double your contributions, keep that powder dry so that when the market actually turns, you're in a position to take that opportunity. And I think that might be the answer to, you know, the kind of question I posed at the front of the show is, it's partially, if you can go short, yes, but it's also another one of manage your asset allocation in terms of your risk profile, your risk tolerance. Yeah, so you've you've got two choices here. You can either increase your cash position, right, and wait for the bottom and try to time the market. And let's be honest, timing is sort of everything, really. Or you could go the other way and say, well, I'm mostly invested in sort of index tracking funds, be they local or sub specific subsectors or whatever the case is. Uh, but let's say you're, which I would imagine the majority of, um, you know, newer entrants into the market. And I, I say newer entrants is anyone who's been investing for less than five years, right? I would imagine that most of them are kind of either trying their hand at stock picking a few things here and there, maybe got some Renogen, maybe got some, you know, whatever else that was topical and exciting um, and people were punting during COVID. Or they, you know, or, or they fall into the category of, well, I buy, you know, a top 40 ETF and an S&P 500 ETF. And if you fall into that category where you're like an index tracking, broad market index tracking or country world index or whatever it is, you just keep buying because you're going to keep buying more and more assets for, le- for less and less money. You know, and it's gonna be, it's gonna hurt, hey? You're gonna sit there and you're gonna watch it. I put in a grand last month. It's worth 800 bucks now. I'm putting another grand in and I'm gonna lose again for the next month. And you're just gonna keep doing that for months, right? Hopefully for months. In fact, if you could do if that, if you get the opportunity to keep doing that for two years, then you're averaging your price lower and lower. Again, this is not a trading technique, right? This is for someone who wants to take advantage of something uh, or the current circumstance and you can really generate an enormous amount of wealth during this process and then you know you if you're saving a grand and you can afford to you know cut on some of the takeaways and push it up to two grand then i would recommend now now is a massive opportunity for you to do that you know be greedy when others are fearful something i wanted to raise is you know the long versus short debate is always so so interesting and obviously in a time of high inflation you know everything is getting bigger if that makes any sense numbers are becoming bigger so going long 
means you are swimming with inflation. The reason you would go short is because you're betting on a multiple unwind or if it's in the property game, you're betting that the yields need to go up and the price needs to come down. So it requires an incredible understanding yeah, of valuations to be going short. But interestingly enough, in this market, you needed a pretty good understanding of valuations to be going long as well. So I wrote a column for FM this week and I went and had a look at some of the winners on the JSC this year. So I went and screened for stocks that had done more than 20% year to date, which in this market is a proper winner. So the pick of the retailers is Woolworths. And a year ago, you wouldn't have found anyone who wants your Woolworths shares. But actually, a little bit of a turnaround in the clothing business, a little bit of upstreaming of dividends from Australia, and suddenly Woolworths is interesting, way outperformed ShopRite year to date. We all know ShopRite's a better business right now, but that doesn't make it a better relatively short-term punt. The banks are another great example. First Rand has been pretty sideways. But Nedbank, Absa, they've caught up a lot. So I think the one thing that I take some joy from and my portfolio also looks, you know, not so great. But valuations matter a lot in this environment. Like two years ago, it was literally throw darts. I mean, we all know that, literally. And to give you an idea, let's play a little game. I pulled up a UK property ETF. So where do you think it's trading right now versus March 2020? I would say probably only 10% higher. I'm, I'm, I'm more bearish. I'm going to say slightly lower. So let's say... Uh... Five, five to 10% lower. Let's see. Yeah, so it's, it's flat. It's basically back to where it was COVID. And the last time it traded at that level was in December 2012. So if you've been holding that UK property ETF for 10 years, you've pretty much only collected dividends, which is not, not beautiful. Yes, maybe maybe it's a little unfair picking just on the UK because literally everything that could have gone wrong in the UK over the last 10 years has, right? I mean, we've had Brexit, we've had terrible prime ministers. As opposed, <laughs> as opposed to South Africa, which has been smooth sailing the whole way through. We've had no issues down here. But, but, but bear in mind, right? I, I think what happens with South African equities to a degree is that the exchange rate move masks some of that. So if you if you looked at 10 year performance, but if you actually dollarize that, you can see just how difficult it's been in South Africa, because then you're doing a like for like comparison, you compare it to a hard currency return. Yes, it's been pretty tough. But in the UK, they are now sitting with literally every single macro problem you can think of. They've got political issues. They've got an inflation problem. They, they, they failed to negotiate you know, favorable trade terms following Brexit. They've got social tensions. But the problem is, going back to my previous comment, and again to, to Pietri on this, is that there's a lot going on in the world right now. You know, So it's hard to contextualize that because it's not just the UK. Europe's in a tight spot. The US has been relatively better off, but we're fooling ourselves if we think that they don't have massive challenges ahead. And I, I think we're seeing some of those manifest. Petri, just a direct question on this. And, and I, the reason is in the interest of time, I just want to make sure that we, we land on this is your oil view. It's something that we've kind of ridden through several shows with you. It's why I want to highlight it is I think you are very early on. You're one of the guys saying, we're long oil. We like this. You rode that wave all the way up through into when oil was sitting at like $120. You know, you were in a great spot back then. I think we had a show with you where you said you were trimming some positioning there. So good timing. What's your oil view right now? Because now we have them back at nine month lows. And obviously what's weighing on this is a combination of we know supply is tight in the market, but the overhang from growth risks and a recession risk is really real. It's really material right now. So what is your oil view as it stands today? What's the outlook? 
So I put on the on the weekly game plan actually also on Sunday that uh, oil over the last I want to say almost three weeks well there were two weeks that it was kind of flirting with its uptrend trend line right uh, and then it broke down through that and I said okay fine if it gets to eighty seven dollars twenty five cents and close below closes below that we're gonna call this a potential trend change and take our bullish view off the table basically the point is on Friday it closed below the level. So Friday's close was at um, 86.71. So that makes me bearish. I don't know if that's a direct answer <laughs> to your question. But basically, if you look at the chart, the trend is broken, right? So for now, we have not yet a lower low, uh, but we have the primary trend that has broken and a new secondary downtrend has started uh, until we break the current downtrend. And you could connect, if you're looking at a weekly chart, you can connect the, the sort of highs or the close or the opening prices or closing prices is the better way of doing it. So a line chart is more um, accurate here. But you could kind of connect 6th of June uh, and connect the tops all the way down. Yeah, so I, I think that's fair. I think that answers the question. Uh, and it's, it's, it's actually a very interesting one because it then means, again, to wrap this up in terms of execution and how you look at markets is shorter term, oil's in a downtrend. You know, you can't actually be long oil until you break that trend line. But over the longer term, the economic impact then means that the inflationary pressures should start to ease off because we know it was food and fuel over the course of the last year. So again, these things have these long lead and lag times, but it does arguably mean that some of the pressure will then start to come out of consumers' pockets. And maybe that gives you the counterbalance. I mean, that's how you get business cycles, economic cycles, monetary policy cycles. Uh, last question from me. I, I don't want to hog this, but I know Ghost has something to, to throw in here. But are we thinking about this the right way? I've always been a fan in terms of cycles, but arguably a lot of the historic way things would play out in terms of economic cycles and policy cycles has changed a lot. Do we start to see a resumption of a normal kind of business cycle? And so we go through this downtrend and then once we see the uptick, you know, a resumption of business as usual, what's your view on that? Just on a very macro zoomed out perspective. Okay, so I just will take the opportunity here to just make another comment. I know that like we, you, you sort of, we started off this thing with, well, how do you trade? How do you make money in a bear market, right? And I've kind of spent a lot of time encouraging you not to trade, <laughs> right? Uh, and I think that that's uh, just something that I kind of want to reiterate. It's like, yes, um, you know, traders can make money in the downtrends, um, but we have to be realistic about, you know, how much time do you have to dedicate to trading? If you are very active trading, then sure. By all means, go for it. If you are kind of a casual trader and you only take a few trades a year or maybe once every two months, then, you know, step aside, allow the dust to settle and take advantage when, when, the, when the going gets better again. So how are we going to know that the going gets better again? So to answer the question you just asked, I think we have a longer time than we realize before we see normalization, right? But basically, we've had a number of different things happening. One... The dollar is strengthening an enormous amount. The impact that this is going to have on US corporate earnings, for example, and commodity prices is still coming. So you've got first dollar strength, then earnings coming down. You've got, uh, you know, first CPI comes down. Oh, sorry, CPI goes up, then consumer spending comes down. So you have all these sort of indicators that we are you know, all familiarizing ourselves with now because we're looking at them all the time because suddenly they're very important. We're watching inflation, we're, we're watching sentiment, we're watching all these different things, but we 
have to sort of understand or realize that a lot of these, the impact of these things only comes down the line. So I think what we see is the next earnings season from the US is going to be dismal. Just the sheer amount of earnings that S&P 500 companies, as an example, make from Europe. It's enormous. Most of their, you know, like South Africa's dual listed companies, most of their funds are coming from outside of the US. So the stronger the dollar is, the weaker their earnings are going to be. And when that starts to come in, then we're going to see these these valuation re-ratings start to take place. And, you know, the pain will be felt. So, like, leading indicators for that is stuff like FedEx being off 55% from the highs. And because you can see in their guidance that they give is like, listen, guys, this is going to get really bad. So I think that as much as we have a lot of these things that are contributing towards, yes, inflation is slowing down, it's not going to slow down as quickly as what we imagine. At least I don't think so. Right. I think we're going to see probably another 12 months. We're probably going to see the Fed uh, put interest rates up above the inflation level. Now, you know, that's not saying inflation, interest rates are going to go to 9% in the US because inflation is at 8, but inflation might be at 4 and interest rates might be at 5. And at that point, I think we start to see the bottom because we've heard the Fed come out and say, we know that this is going to hurt the labor market. We know that this is going to hurt the consumer, but we have to act. And the Bank of England, uh, their NPC said today, you know, they made a com comment saying that they're basically what well, I want to read it to you. The MPC will not hesitate to change interest rates by as much as needed to return inflation to the 2% target uh, sustainably uh, in the medium term. So that, is, I mean, they mean business, right? And at the end of the day, that yes, in the short term, like it's going to cause a lot of pain, but it doesn't mean that the problem is going to go away in the short term either. Uh, we have a, a, yes, there's no credit bubble and all that stuff, and this time it is different and all the rest. It is true. It's never the same. But I do think that we're in for a hard time. And maybe I'll eat my hat in six months, and I, and I truly hope that I do. But, um, yeah, I think that the real indication of when this is going to change is the first time we see central banks cutting interest rates. When that starts to happen, that's your buy signal. So, PhD for me, I think the signal is when equity valuations start to reflect a bit more of reality. So what we're seeing a lot is multiples have come down to levels we sort of saw before the pandemic, but that was in a very different macroeconomic and interest rates environment. Whereas now, if you take into account the equity risk premium you need to be getting on stocks, actually the valuations should be lower than uh, they were sort of pre-pandemic in terms of the average multiples. So that's something I'm looking at. I still very much, you know, as has always been my style, look kind of bottom up. Um, it's incredibly interesting. I mean, this is what makes markets so exciting. And just to close off something Mo mentioned earlier before I finish us up, uh, you know, just talking about property. So I had a quick look at the Satrix property ETF, and this is zero reflection on Satrix. This is just tracks an index. And since 20, if you draw a max chart, since 2017, I guess that's when they launched the ETF. This thing is down over 60%. So that is picking a starting point where South African property was absolutely insane, uh, to be fair. I don't know what it looks like over 10 years. It would be interesting to see compared to the UK, but long story short, you know, buy and hold. <laughs> yes, there are some companies that you can truly just buy and hold forever, but investing, trading, stock picking, if you're going to buy specific stuff or if you're going to get into sectors, you do need to really do your homework. And I think that's the message you've left today, Pietri, is for guys who, you know, are not 
really active in the market, it is very dangerous right now. Even for those who are active, it's dangerous. For those who are sort of part-timers, not necessarily watching it like a hawk, you know, it's even it's even more scary. Could I just add something? I think you've got two things happening simultaneously. You've got one, a, I think I've said this before, every year there's a once in a lifetime opportunity in the stock market, right? Uh, but you've got this once in a lifetime opportunity to generate massive returns if you time the bottom well and you, you know, buy the, you know, you just buy equity at some point. Uh, also, when markets are, you know, historically 25% of the highs, it is the optimum time to buy stocks for long term five to 10 year returns. So you've got this opportunity that's happening now. But don't let this opportunity, the fact that this opportunity is on the table, push you to the point where you're over trading. And I'm guilty of this this year, over trading so much that you just end up burning cash because you are getting whipsawed all the time. Be patient, trade smaller, buy stuff, uh, buy quality stuff, and give it time. Yep, fact. Thank you, Pietri. Words of wisdom, as always. Good luck in this crazy market. And if you want to listen to Pietri every day, uh, Hot FM, you are currently doing the business show. I do it with you on a Monday. But uh, if someone, you know, for those who miss you in those few weeks between your Magic Markets appearances, you can... Check it out in the evenings on Hot FM. We're not sure how long Pietri's going to do it for, so get it while it's hot. To our Magic Markets listeners, thank you. As always, we will see you next week, and good luck in these tricky markets. Trade safe. Ciao. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.